This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put it on. He's up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, here as always with a very tired Mike Craven. Mike, how are you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Hope my voice continues through. Did yeah. four hours of, of morning radio today. So if I sound different, that's because I'm picking up my co-host's like vo- professional voice. I'm trying to match it a little bit. Yeah, I was about to say Aaron Hogan, who's also Mike's co-host with Eyes of Texas on the ROF network. I mean, that's that it's funny listening to like other podcasts, including ours, and then y'all's there because like Aaron's right. like so professional and so yeah. formal. Yeah, yeah. It was fun though. It's a good time. Four yeah. hours a long time to talk about uh anything especially in June in a town that only has college sports. So guess what we did today? A whole lot of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I was about to say, it was some big Saudi Arabia related sports news this week. <laughs> and it's dangerous to get me anywhere about like a sociopolitical topic sure. on a, on a syndicated water. air raid on an air ra- uh, way. So I was, yeah, I was tiptoeing around the tulips uh, for four hours today, not to say anything. That I would not stupid, stupid is the wrong word because I would have agreed with it, but yeah. would not have let me allowed back into the building. Sure, 100%. Uh, and of course, the reason why you can hear us now is uh, everyone's favorite, Mal Pal Mallory. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, officially done with magazine season because Pickle and I have talked about this, and we kind of consider our magazine, magazine season to last all the way up until cover reveal because we work mm-hmm. on cover reveal videos. So now I'm good because now our our magazine season is officially over with and done. But we we work all the way up until that cover reveal day. Yeah, there you go. So as Mallory, yeah, as Mallory mentioned, we did drop the cover reveal on Monday. Of course, Sunny Dykes on the on the main cover with Reginald Samples, Dunkinell head coach, on the gatefold cover. We'll talk a little bit about um, the the main cover because we haven't had a. We haven't had an editorial meeting to discuss this, but I'm assuming we'll do something similar to what we did last year, where we'll put out Mike Craven's story um, ahead of time for subscribers. So um, I do want to talk a little bit about Craven's mentality going into that, into the into the cover story a little bit, to kind of tease ahead of when, whenever we decide to drop it. Um, by the way, de- definitely go to textfootball.com, subscribe, because of course, if you subscribe early, if you subscribe now, you will be guaranteed to get it early. Um, that that window will shrink as we get closer to like retail release date. Obviously, if you subscribe now, it'll be mailed to you very quickly. But as we get closer to, let's just say July, I, I know we don't have like a drop dead date, but let's say the closer we get to July and the closer it takes you to subscribe, the less we can guarantee you get it before it comes out on retail. So if you want to make sure you get it in your mail delivered to you uh, exclusively before it hits stores, subscribe, textfootball.com slash subscribe. So let's get into the uh, cover story a little bit. First of all, let's talk a little bit why why Sonny Dykes was the cover. Um, I guess the easy part for me as like, along with Tepper, we talked about a little bit of this on TFT. The easy part, the easy mail it in answer is, well, they made the playoff and they're the most successful team. But Craven, from your perspective, when was the moment where it kind of became where they kind of creeped into the conversation. I'd say the playoff is kind of when it more or less became like the story, but like when did, when did his and TCU's kind of rise kind of become like, well, actually they probably should be on the cover next year. Probably when they beat TCU. I mean, when they beat Texas, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was like two thirds of the way through the season. I don't have it right in front of me. I think it made them eight or nine in an O something, yeah. something in that range. And so they were two thirds of the way done. Uh, it kind of, uh, it seemed like a game that kicked Texas out of that Big 12. I know they had a little bit of a shot at the end, but you know it was one of those where you looked around and A&M wasn't doing very well, and then they just beat Texas. And if we're having an adult conversation, you know we're selling a magazine, and those are the two biggest you know programs in, in the state. So you always kind of look at the storyline there first, right? Mm-hmm. And so after that, 
I knew we weren't going to allow my UTSA Roadrunners to get on there two years in a row for the same reasons I just mentioned, Texas and Texas A&M uh, being storyline so often. And so, you know, it was one of those deals where it's like, man, TCU is going to do this. Not only are, are they going to, you know, at that time, I still didn't think national championship game, but like, you know, make it to a big 12 championship game, you know, maybe win that one. Who knows if they can get into the final four. And then Sonny's story is one that you always knew that if he was at a big enough place and he had a, a lot of success, it would resonate for a magazine like ours. Our, our job uh, for our magazine is to tell the story of Texas football. And sometimes on the, that's on the college level. Sometimes that's on the high school level. It's hard to tell the story of Texas college football without Sonny Dykes' chapter. That's just true. And so we can get into like why that's true uh, here in a little bit, but yeah, it, it was one of those deals where as, as the, the big powers fell off and there, what Baylor wasn't doing great tech was right there, but we had just put Joey on the cover as well. Sonny, mm -hmm. Sonny felt like the, the obvious choice. If, Houston was going to underachieve. And by that time of year, we already knew Houston was underachieving and Dana and, and the Cougars probably weren't going to be on the cover as like new big 12 members. Right. Yeah. I think that that was one thing that for me personally, I think it was the next week. It was the Baylor game. Um, that really where it was just like, everything just went, was it was the joke that was like, Oh, they kind of play badly and they still win. And then the Baylor game happens. You're like, Oh, everything just really just goes right for the team. And then it kind of became like an inevitability to me after that point. Um, but you hit I think you hit on it the best where you mentioned Sonny Dykes, just like as a figure. And if we look at ourselves as not only a editorial piece of editorial content, but like also a, like a historical reference. Right. And I think that it'd be weird for us to, if the only thing we could look back on with Dave Campbell's is like the only reference we have to Sonny Dykes is Shane Bichelle on the cover of 2020, it would have been really weird, right? Because I think when you had, I, and I, th I think when, when Mike Leach passing as well, and then realizing that he had a hand in his career, obviously how mummy uh, as a grad assistant at Kentucky, obviously his father at the spike Dykes. And you're just like, Oh man, this guy's like, Every turn of like uh, uh, influential game planning and influential scheme and offense and kind of modern spread, this guy has a, has had a, a, a brush with history like almost everywhere along the way, um, and that's kind of you know that's and to peek behind the curtain, that's kind of what the story is about, right? It's about like who is who is Sonny Dykes basically, right? It's not it's about like okay, it, he's now not no longer Spike's son. He's now no longer just the guy that took over for Gary. He's no longer this, you know, just part of the air raid, you know, cult or whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm saying? But um, he's now his own person. And that's kind of when we look back on 2022, I think that's ultimately what I'm going to remember about that season is Sonny Dykes and TCU kind of shedding preconceived notions or the past and kind of establishing themselves as new, whether it's the new big, one of the new big 12 powers going forward or Sonny Dykes in his own right as a new uh, kind of modern head coach and one of the better head coaches in the country right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that I think that's, I'm really excited for people to see the piece. Um, I'm glad we've gotten really good reception over the cover because I think when people thought about it, they were like, yeah, that kind of, that just kind of makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, what I find interesting about Sonny Dykes' story is that it's one that we can all relate to. He was a mm. son of a famous big personality person who wanted to get out of that shadow. He didn't yep. want to be his dad. He didn't want to move around a bunch in his life. He didn't want to be, um, you know, that kind of guy. And so, you know, when he met how mummy Mike Leach, I think he gravitated towards that more and was like, I'm going to be more the schematic cool guy who's like yep. revolutionary football and isn't here until one o'clock in the morning. doesn't get up at 4 a.m. and just, you know, grind the whole time or whatever. Mm -hmm. We're going to out clever people. We're going to we're going to be smarter than everybody. And then he goes to Cal and he fails. Mm -hmm. You know, he he goes there and the offense scores all the points in the world and they have Jared Goff and they're, you know, but they're not they can't stop anybody and they're not any good. And he gets fired there. And um, I think that's when it dawned on him, like, oh, man, the old man may have been right, like culture and the locker room and your relationships and playing together and some defense and all the things that Spike was about. Uh, came together so he goes to TCU in 2017 as an offensive analyst he watched Gary Patterson and how he coaches defense and took some stuff from there and he realized that his next stop he's going to meld the uh, schematic philosophy of the air raid and all that comes with it with the culture and the program building and the relationship stuff that his dad was so known for he was going to do both of those things and as soon as he's done that 
Think about this, guys. In the first 102 games of Sonny Dykes' career, he was 46 and 46. Mm-hmm. In the last 50, he's 38 and 12. You know, so like when he had figured that out, when he kind of like stopped rebelling against his father, and it coincided with when his dad passed away as well. His dad passed mm-hmm. away in that 2017 offseason as well. When he kind of like stopped rebelling against that, it's like, hey, I'm going to lean into all the things that made my dad great while keeping all the things that make like Mike Leach and how mummy great, it became where you look around and, you know, quietly Sonny Dykes has been one of the more successful coaches in college football over the last five years. He did something that's insane. He allowed T- he, he, he led SMU to a 10 win season. Like that's crazy. Like yeah. for somebody my age, who was like born right when the death penalty happens and stuff like that. That's not a real thing that would happen at SMU. He led that turnaround. Now look where SMU is, you know, on the pecking order and what they're about to be. And a lot of that is still about Sonny and the groundwork he laid. The head coach was his offensive coordinator that he brought in. And so it's just one of those deals where we all had, a, uh, we all had our idea of who Sonny Dykes was as a head coach. I know I did. Mm-hmm. And we can no longer have those same ideas anymore. Like he is a bona fide, successful college football coach who may be on the cusp of something big as the playoff expands yeah 100 100%, 100%. so yeah we'll keep you updated on when we um end up putting that stuff on i mean again over the course of the next month it will be rolling out content from the magazine as we prepare for it to be coming out um sent to readers and as well to uh hit store shelves so remember textfootball.com slash subscribe to make sure you get your hands on it first before it hits store shelves um okay so we have two other things we want to hit on one craven has a had a piece a really good piece about um uh texas state and kind of their transfer overhaul under gj kenny and then in the back in the back half we're going to talk about some early over under numbers um that are at least a couple of them are really really fascinating because uh, i believe this was uh circus sports that dropped their vegas over unders for every uh, FBS team in the, in the uh, country, I believe yesterday, we're recording on Wednesday. They dropped them, yeah, June, June 2nd, or June 6th, sorry. Um, so first, let's get into this piece. Um, this one's up on TexasFootball.com. Craven, you stopped by San Marcos last week and went to go hang out with GJ Kenny, I believe the first time since he was hired, correct? Yeah, I, we kind of joked about that because you did the magazine. It, right. I did not, until I sat down and we started talking, uh, we were like, oh man, we haven't seen each other like in person because we've talked, but we just haven't seen each other in person until that moment. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. So, you know, I think when people look at what's going on uh, in Colorado, right? Uh, Deion Sanders. And there's a lot, there was a lot made about, I guess, how publicly he was about the the the, the strategy there, which is yeah, all these guys are basically going to get cleaned out and I'm going to bring in my guys. <laughs> and like, I mean, again, there were like videos of him talking to the players, basically saying this, where it's like, yeah, we're going to, if you don't, if you're not good enough, we're just going to make ask you to leave. Um, so, but Colorado, the reason why I bring up Colorado is because Colorado, and this is kind of the, but the inception of the piece, Colorado is the only team in FBS to bring in more players this off season than Texas State. And so, you know, when did you kind of come across that number and when did you kind of thought, think about just writing this piece altogether? Well, I mean, it's just monitoring every time that they got a new guy. It was like, man, how many, how many is this, you know? And then you go and and you look in the numbers and you kind of talk to some guys around the program and stuff. And you realize like, this is not just a Deion Sanders, Colorado thing. And so much ink has been, I mean, I guess nobody really writes with ink anymore. That was such an old man uh saying i was about to use there so many words have been typed uh over colorado and Deion sanders and, and what they're doing and it's it's interesting to me how perception can play a role in how we view something right because mm-hmm. the Deion sanders thing seems like a bad deal like we're all kind of upset about it like oh my gosh how can you do that to college athletes right like they're barely getting anything and you're kicking them off scholarship like that's wrong that's not what college athletics is about you look around that's what every first year coach is doing they may not be just like booting guys to the curb uh, sure. But all the first year coaches are are signing these huge classes and the transfer portal and the ability to sign as many players as you want in a cycle has allowed coaches to re uh, reload a lot roster or turn over a roster in a way that hadn't been done before. Earlier this spring, I wrote a story about how 
Rhett Lashley and SMU had done something that had never been done before. And that was signing 65 uh, new players in 18 months or whatever. And then Deion Sanders and GJ Kenny are like, that's nothing. Like that's not even, that's not even that big of a deal. Right. Like hold my mm-hmm. beer type situation. And so <laughs> Uh, we don't live in Colorado, right? We're Dave Campbell's Texas football. And yep. so it was one of those, like that, it, that was the closest thing to us. That was as close to the main story of the off season in Texas football. And I wanted to get an idea of how GJ Kinney uh, did it. How do you even go about getting that amount of players? Um, it was a pretty interesting conversation. I couldn't fit it all into the story, obviously, but yeah. it, was, it was a really interesting thing. And, you know, you start to realize, I think he was very honest about like, you know, we lost some guys we didn't want to lose, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, he was also honest about like, we're going to miss on some of these guys, you know, but it, it's about the percentage of hit rate, you know, that you're trying to get to. Right. Um, and then, and then the whole idea of not being able to forward passwords to this stuff while he was at UIW. I did so like he, that. He's like that borrowing UTSAs yeah. and Central <laughs> Florida's and Hawaii's and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, I, I, it's refreshing to hear a coach be so honest. And then I think the other thing about GJ Kinney is he seems like a dude that is going to be a superstar. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I, he, yeah. my job is to talk to coaches. Right. And some of them are great coaches and you talk to them and you're like, well, that's why you're not a head coach, mm-hmm. you know? And then you talk to some guys and you're like, holy cow, like, like you're going to run a program. You're going to run a program for a long time. Sean Bell at, at Baylor mm-hmm. is, is like that. And so Doug Belk at Houston is like that Joe Price UTSA like that where you're just like oh you guys like y'all y'all are calm you're collected you know what this is about Kinda get um, it. and so Kenny just seems like one of those dudes that's that's going to have some real success uh, to Texas State's benefit yeah I think uh, was there I'm curious what was something you had to leave out maybe because it wasn't relevant to kind of what you were focusing on or you know just you just kind of couldn't fit a thing into it was there anything that you wanted to like fit in that just really didn't work with the rest of the piece yeah i mean maybe just the nuts and bolts of like how those conversations go about right the Mm -hmm. ga cuts all that tape and then the position coaches watch it and then the the whole staff watches it but then you have to get into the pff and the real scouting because everybody has great highlights you know but not everybody's game tape is there and so you can go and there's a there's a thing within pff and it may deserve a story on its own where you can see how many snaps they've played you can see where they've played those snaps you can see how much success they've had on those snaps you can Mm -hmm. go watch individual game film and all that kind of stuff like it's like huddle on steroids for college coaches and he didn't he couldn't he didn't have the passwords for it at incarnate (laughs) word so it's like a kid in a candy store where he's like holy cow we can afford all these cool things you know all that kind of stuff and then the other thing that i find super interesting that may become an article and i i think maybe this has been written about i'd have to look so i didn't Mm -hmm. just copy somebody but the idea of the difference between recruiting transfers and juco players to high school kids and how different of a process it is because they want stuff different a 17 year old doesn't know what they want so you're recruiting the players as much as anything they're looking for uniforms what where the pretty girls are i had fun on this official visit like i was 17 that's all i cared about too you know and then you're 20 and you've had some struggles that's why you're transferring if it all went great you probably weren't being in the transfer portal and you have some more maturity about yourself and you just care about the football where am i going to play what is the scheme how do i fit into there what are the majors going to be that kind of stuff and kenny talking about how and I, 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 I can assume he was who he was talking about. Mm-hmm. He goes, he goes. That's why you see a lot of coaches just get, just start doing transfers where they just kind of put the high school thing to the side right now because it's more fun, it's easier. I don't have to do. I don't have to recruit. A lot of times, the parents don't even come with the transfers. You know, right. like it, it's just about ball, and football coaches are just about ball. And you know, you got to fake the rest of the stuff. And so, uh, I thought that was pretty interesting too of how. You know, you start looking at these transfer numbers and the JUCO numbers and you're like, yeah, they're high because there's a lot of talent there. But it's also probably high because it's just a little bit easier to do. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you don't have to deal with all the weird crap you got to deal with the first time around when the hats and the graphics and all that kind of stuff, you know, it matter as much as anything else. Yeah. So definitely go check out that piece. Um, yeah, it was really it was really cool to see, like, because it provides some one, it provides some context behind it. Right. There are differences between what 
Kenny's doing, between what Dion's doing, between what Jake Spavadol did, right? There are differences, and he goes into that a little bit. He goes into, like you mentioned, some of the philosophy behind losing some guys that they don't want to lose, guys who may not get playing time there, that they want to get playing time elsewhere, things like that. So, um, yeah, it's a really cool conversation, and it goes, you know, it's a big breakdown into the numbers as well about exactly how much they lose, how much they exactly they brought in, all that kind of stuff. So go check that out, textfootball.com. Uh, to check out that piece. All right. Also, I want to say too, I love how you started that article and put in the little hibachi thing in there. I thought that was really. Funny. Oh yeah, you gotta take. I was, it. I was like, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I love it. Yeah, yeah. The, for any writers out there, the key to a good lead is uh, to learn something new within the first two sentences, right? And so, right. Uh, where would you start the story if you were telling the story to your friends over a beer? Like, hey, I went yeah. to Texas State the other day. I would have started it at. Uh, do you know they just go to hibachi grill three times a week, you know? <laughs> and so uh, actually what's, what's funny is I was on Austin radio this morning and GJ Kinney was one of the guests just randomly. Oh, and so okay. like he can't, he can't escape me, you know? <laughs> um, and so he said he was up to 235. He's trying to get down to 215 his playing weight uh, by the time he, uh, he gets into, into the uh, season. So he's got, he's got some work to do, but I asked him his dietary habits and his lunch has been Chick-fil-A salad, which I couldn't break to him. Not all that healthy, you know. No, I mean, like not probably not some, grilled chicken either. Yeah, you put some dressing on it, no longer healthy. healthy. So uh <laughs> we'll see how his progress goes. I'll check back into him before the Baylor game, see if he'll see if he'll get on scale for me or something. Yeah, I was about to say everybody in San Marcos knows immediately about that Kobe steakhouse. So oh man, yeah, <laughs> it's right absolutely. Yeah, I live on <laughs> South Austin, and that's the closest one to me. So <laughs> there you go. All righty. So uh, before we get into the last discussion topic about the over-unders, do want to remind people that they can get 15% off with Home Field Apparel by using the code DCTF. I want to say that now because this weekend we have some very cool drops coming out. The University of Texas is having their second drop with Home Field. I've seen some of the merch. They put it out on Twitter. Looks really, really good. Like a lot of these really cool designs. Um, but of course, the real reason why I want to bring it up is because Mallory, they got North Texas. Let's go. I see, dropping. I, I saw see, the I saw yeah. the tweet that Home Field put out uh, announcing that they're gonna drop North Texas, I believe, on Thursday. So tomorrow. Yes, yes tomorrow, um, uh June eighth. Yes. And the four shirts that they have on there, I'm like, that super piss shirt. That might be in my cart already. <laughs> I was about to say the super pit so shirt is dope as hell. I'm looking at that one it right really now. Is. Oh my goodness. So I'm very excited about this drop. Of course, uh, I'm going to look at their Texas gear when they drop that as well. Uh, of course, UNT is a new drop. They haven't had any UNT gear. So this is their first time that for, for doing them. Um, of course, use our promo code DCTF. Or I'm going to give a shout out to every other, every other podcast that's on this network has their own promo code. If you want to go support that show, Definitely do that. They have their own promo code and it, it all works the same 15% off uh, for your first time purchase at Home Field Apparel. If you're just now getting into Home Field, I mean, now's the perfect time. Again, if you're a UNT fan, Texas fan, uh, TCU Tech just had drops a couple weeks ago as well. Uh, go feel free to check that out. Father's Day is coming up at the towards the end of this month or the middle of this month, I should say. And definitely get if you want to get a gift for your father. The material is comfortable, very comfortable, I'm telling you. I mean, this is, uh, as far as like consistency, like it's one of the more comfortable like brand shirts that I own, if I'm being honest. I have a bunch. I have Adla I have North Carolina a and I have Notre Dame, and I'm on a mission to try and do every Texas program. I'm going to see if I can. Mm -hmm. I have about four right now, four or five. We'll see. We'll see I made my I first, I made my first order. Oh, oh no. nice. Okay. Yeah. Which one did you get? Yeah. Which one got you? I I'm going to do the Texas thing. You know, yeah. I feel like it's in the job description. Sure. Um, so I went Baylor, uh, Texas tech and TCU. Uh, I'm probably going to get that five, that, that Houston basketball shirt, but I've seen you have yeah. it as well. Yeah. So I didn't want to yeah. double up on that. Um, yeah, there's a couple schools that are going to be tough. Like I have a hard time envisioning myself buying a North Texas shirt. Not because I'll get you one, no worries. Not, not because they're <laughs> rivals of UTSA, just because I'm on Twitter and that is that is, that's a tough group to get behind and enjoy. Sure. Um, you know, and it so is. it uh it makes me feel better that my the North Texas fans that I know also agree with me on their on their Twitter uh <laughs> presence and so like that that helps me realize it's just a small minority that I hate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Jim then, you know, if Jimbo Fisher isn't going to come on the damn show, 
I was about to say that's gonna leave, yeah. That might leave him in the I can't I can't buy a t-shirt. So so let Jimbo know he's costing the good folks at home field apparel twenty dollars. How about Rutgers? Does Rutgers have anything? Rutgers does have some. So yes, so we should also give a shout out. They have really cool, like just random brand. Like I think the smaller the school, the cooler the shirts from what I've I've seen. Like uh UC Barbara has like a surf shirt or something that is just absolutely fire. They have Colorado Uh, School of the Mines. Yeah, the donkey and stuff (laughs) like like that. that. So yeah, or burrow. So yeah, it's uh it's cool. Uh, I'm excited to get my I've been uh I've been protesting silently. Not that they're you know struggling without my money, as you can see on their online. Uh but uh, I just want them to get UTSA. I know why they don't have UTSA because we don't. Yeah. We've talked about that. They have not a whole lot of retro logos to go for for the Roadrunners. Right. But uh, hopefully, with like North Texas joining on board and stuff, that that gets that ball rolling a little bit. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping North Texas is like the final the final uh, pendulum for like all the other mid majors and the G5s that haven't that haven't gotten in on it. Where it's like, oh, we got to go now because now because UTEP could be cool. Well, it's oh, yeah, I was about to say because now they have UT, yes. it's U, UNT Rice SMU. And that, I think those are it. Those are the three for the, or then even Houston Christian even has a basketball. I have the Houston Christian basketball shirt and uh-huh. it's, it's like, it's only the basketball shirt, but it's a great, it's like a dribbling Husky. Um, but like, I'm hoping UNT, yeah, just like gives a little bit of a push to U- UTEP. That'd be awesome. Texas State, UN, UTSA, like it okay. needs a little bit of a push to say, Hey, go get, go get some stuff. So hopefully this is a nice little push at uh, same Houston as well. That'd be, they yeah. have some potentially really cool stuff. So Remember, promo code DCTF or, again, listen to any of our shows in the ROF network and support the respective shows with uh, the promo code, 15% off to save on your first-time purchase. All right, Craven, we had some over-unders drop, and because it is June, I'm going to put on a let's, – let's, I'm going to write this down. Let's make some calls right now. <laughs> let's make some calls on over-under because it's June – and uh why not because the magazine the magazine's gonna be all overs because i'm a homer you know oh yeah 100 so <laughs> let's go and look some of these overrunners first i'm gonna this we're, we're using uh make sure i have this right again we are using circus sports they are the first to, to release the overrunners for the year so they're gonna be the ones that we're gonna highlight uh craven looking at all of these right now before we get into like individual things and picks was there one over under where you're like, I am holding on to that and running to a window? Maybe Texas State, uh, to be that, honest with you. It was a really interesting over under. I mean, it's like three and a half, right? Um, you know, I did the same thing with Rice last year. I think I had made my money on Rice by like October 14th or something like that. Um, because you got to remember, these these are not necessarily predictions. They're a way to get money on both sides. And when you hear Rice, when you hear Texas State, the recent history suggests three or four wins, new head coach, so much roster turnover. You know, you, as a as a book, you're not going to spend a whole lot of time getting to know Texas State. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've been flirting with six wins for the last few years. And their roster is probably more talented right now than it's been Maybe, maybe in that time, you know, and we'll see, we'll see how it all fits together and stuff like that. Um, but the guys they're bringing in from UIW are really, really good football players that beat a Nevada team that Texas State couldn't last year. Uh, they brought in a lot of production um, at, at the different positions. Uh, we'll see what the offensive line looks like eventually. But yeah, I think Texas State was the first one that really jumped out to me of like, because that you you try to you try to find market uh, deficiencies, like places mm-hmm. that maybe they don't pay as much attention to as you do. And that tends to be at the G5 level. Yep. All right. So let's get into this right now. Let's go alphabetical order. Okay. And I'm going to ask you both and I'll, I'll play two. Are we going over under simple question, right? Um, you can, you can, I'll give you some time. You can glance at the schedule, but nothing too crazy in depth here. Cause we are, you know, we've been covering, basically covering these teams since March with the magazine. So we should know relatively how we feel about them. All right, let's start off Baylor Baylor's over under right now is an E is a, Ooh, that's an, it's a seven. Yeah. Seven flat seven. That's an interesting one. So where are we going? Where are we feeling with Baylor at a seven, which I think is a very good number to pick for them? I think it's a great number. Uh, seven and five feels like the most likely scenario in the magazine. I believe we have them at eight and four, but again, we we tend to probably be a little bit higher on on the in-state teams and the national people just because we're so close to the to the trees on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I lean push. Uh, I'll take over just because I feel like the defense has to be better. 
I'm not as concerned about Blake Shapen in the offense. I think the defense is going to be better with the new defensive coordinator, the new transfers. Give me an over on Baylor. Okay. Mallory, where are you leaning? Mm, I don't know. I just, I, I just felt like we haven't been super confident with all the transfer news and stuff with Baylor. And I, for the sake of it, I'll go under. I, I can go see under. going six and six. Okay. I, I lean push, I think as well. Um, the reason why this number is so great is because they're literally like, you can look at their schedule and think eight, right? But they're literally just like, that means winning the games that we expect them to win. They're an upset away from just like, like you mentioned, six and six or something. We just don't um, know about them either. I'm going to lean over, but I, if you ask me this question again, like that Texas State game is going to say a lot, right? I'm not saying Texas State's going to win, but if it's like 28 13, I'm like, oh, that's, I'm terrified for Baylor. So, I'm going to say over now, after week one, I could be like, never mind, I should have went under, but I'm going to stick with that for now. All right. North Texas. Where are we at with them? Oh, no, sorry, Houston. Houston, sorry. I'm going in the wrong order here. All right. Houston is second. And they're at (laughs) – Vegas does not like Houston. Four and a half. We are at with Houston. Um, That sounds harsh. And then you look at their schedule and you're like, mm -hmm." I'm personally going to go over, but I'm going to go over as in like five. (laughs) So that is a rough over under. I understand why it is at four and a half because there's been some bad vibes coming out of, uh, of the university of Houston. The first year in the big 12 too. It's like, uh, welcome, welcome to the big time. Welcome to the big 12. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the under. Oh, um, under. Okay. Know, I, I think we have them at five and seven in the magazine, but the, the closer and closer this thing gets to kick off, the the less and less good vibes I'm feeling around the Houston program. You know, maybe that's what they need. You know, they sure. you know, like maybe that's where they play their best. I mean, Holgerson uh does have the personality type to like do well as an underdog. Um, yep. Not so well, maybe when everything's rowing in the right direction. He needs a little bit of dysfunction, I believe, to enjoy himself and really get locked in. He's the OC, no doubt about yep. it. You know, I mean, uh, so, you know, they're kind of all in there. The coaching staff, they need more than four and a half. But, you know, my money it would be on the under right now. Yep. My I don't know who their I don't know who their quarterback's even going to be. I, I honestly don't know if Donovan Smith is going to win that job. It may, it may end up being Lucas Coley. Ooh, which is yeah. even more uh red flags so yeah it's a culture thing yeah like they're, they they got to figure out that locker room you can't lose that many players yeah uh, to the portal and stuff like that and then and there not be something going on uh behind closed doors yeah mallory well tough i i think i i'm with you craven i think i gotta go under i'm looking at their schedule right now and i just i don't i really don't see more than three like guaranteed wins and i just don't know if they can pull off and you know like a game that they're not favored in it's it's just really tough like I I think Rice is a guaranteed probably win and then maybe Sam Houston and then other than that I mean maybe West Virginia but it's just it's tough I don't know yeah I will say I I can almost guarantee that whoever loses that West Virginia Houston game that that staff is 100% getting fired like (laughs) that's it's like Neil Brown versus Dana Holgerson it's like you're that's 100% fired whoever loses that game is almost so I think UTSA is back for revenge too I I don't think I don't (laughs) think UTSA loses that game I just I was about to say, we could we can start gonna know absolutely we're gonna know soon we're gonna know soon you yes. know what i mean like you're gonna know week one because if they come out they beat utsa by like 10 points sure. or something like that it's like hey oh yeah. hey okay look at here look at us doubters like that that team's playing on if utsa comes out there and wins that football game i mean folks uh <laughs> it could get, it could get interesting yeah, yeah it could get it could get yeah. interesting because you didn't right. yeah, yeah no we're, we don't have to have a 10 minute segment on Houston. <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta beat utsa you do yeah you gotta beat utsa yes 100 all right now north texas let's see where am i um they're on the they're on the other page of this one okay um oh wait yeah no okay i, I don't know if they're under unt or north texas here we go six flat six for north texas eric morris's first season First season in the AC, new staff, new a lot of things. Six, I think I'm going to lean over for now 
But that back half of the schedule is really tough. I think like, Ooh, I yeah. think that's all, that's basically me saying they're going to pull an upset basically in that second half because all those wins have to come, I think, by like November, in my opinion. Um, I think by then they may have the, you know, the cohesion and the talent to 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 get something out of that second half, one of the games. But they're basically going to have to have this season wrapped up in terms of a bowl, like by Thanksgiving. I'm going to read you their last six opponents. Yeah, go for Tulane, it. Memphis, mm. UTSA, mm-hmm. SMU, mm-hmm. Tulsa, which is, you know, Tulsa, and then UAB. Yep. I'm gonna push. I'm going. Great. I'm going. I, I think they. Go, I think they go six and six. I think they're. I think their front half of the schedule is easy enough to where they could, they could pull out six and make a bowl. But yeah. I don't. I don't see any more than six wins. Okay, so yeah, we have them. We have them six and six in the magazine, so that would be a push. If I had to pick seven or five, I'll go five. You know, just mm-hmm. because I I don't know exactly what Chandler Rogers at quarterback is. He did look good at the spring game, and that was that was a great sign because he had struggled before that. Um, but, you know, they just don't have many offensive tackles. They don't have a lot of length and size on, on, out there. They lost over 220 tackles of production from their linebacker room alone. Sure. Um, Cam Robertson, you know, maybe their best defensive end left. They're they're moving to an odd man front. Um, that back end of the schedule, like y'all mentioned, is really, really hard. So they're going to have to play almost perfect, not perfect, but they're going to have to go perfect early on to make that happen. And with a new coach, there's going to be a couple of hiccups. There's going to be some weird stuff, a game where it just doesn't work right or whatever as they're figuring it out. So I think they get to six. I think they go to a bowl game, they get to six wins. But if I had to pick between five and seven, I'm going to go under. Okay. I'm going to mark you down as a under slash push. Okay. Mallory, you're a push. I'm going to give you a push. All right. Let's move on to another team that's, we'll see, Rice, four and a half. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am going under. Um, looking at Rice, this is a very, as much as I will say, and Mike, you may agree with this, as much as we may believe that this is probably Rice most, Rice's most talented team in a long time, that they're also still entering the AC. And I look at their schedule and I can only really pencil in four. Like I struggle getting the five with this, even it's a tough schedule. Um, and it's not very, it, it is kind of balanced uh, in terms of like later, later half is definitely harder, but even some of the games that they're kind of 50, 50, and I'm a little iffy on, um, you know, as much as I was down as I am on Houston, I still don't think they're beating Houston. Um, you know, USF. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's going to be an interesting game, but you know, I don't, I still don't know if I'm in favor of them beating USF. I mean, or at least a guarantee I'll give that to them, but it's not something I necessarily feel comfortable about. Um, So I'm going to go under, I think they hang around four. I'm going to ride it for the second straight year and take the over on rice. I think the market is always going to be a game too low on the owls because of what we think of when we think of rice. Sure. That offense is going to be really good. They're going to score. They're going to score some points. Um, mm-hmm. They scored points last year with the revolving door of of average quarterbacks. They're going to do well. That wide receiver room is legit. Like it's not just legit for Rice. It's legit uh, in general. If they can find a complimentary run game, they're going to be good uh, offensively. On defense, I think they're going to be better. You bring in John K in his mind, and then you bring in you know off the books. Derek Mason's kind of been ha- helping out as a, as a defensive. Uh, analysts for them, the way Gary Patterson came in, uh, Texas Bloom and, and Derek are, are very close. And so, you know, they're going to simplify defensively and try to get better there. They have a good pass rusher. They have a decent secondary. You know, hopefully they can figure it out against the run game in the front seven. But I'm going to go over. Uh, I would have liked it to be, you know, four, just so I don't lose on the on the, on the four. Or whatever, but four and a half, I'm going to go over to five. I don't know if they get to six. Uh, just because, as you mentioned, that's that schedule is is really tough. Last year's schedule, they would have got six, maybe even seven. Uh, sure, but sure. but I think with this year's schedule, it's a little bit tougher. But I'll, I'll take the over. I just won't I won't put a lot on it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think I'll go over too. Um, I think their non conference is pretty tough, opening up with Texas and then having to go play another Big Twelve team in Houston. But I think that middle section of their schedule seems pretty doable. Then uh, their last non conference games against Texas Southern, and they go play South Florida, East Carolina, UConn, Tulsa. I mean, I think mm-hmm. in that 
realm, I think definitely five wins is is definitely reasonable. Um, yeah, looking at that back half though, Tulane, SMU, and then UTSA back to back to back. That's gonna be that's gonna be real tough. So they're gonna need to find those five wins probably somewhere within that middle of the schedule. Okay. All right, moving on to the newest member of the FBS, Sam Houston. They're at a flat four. Now, I'm going to go over on this one, I think. I think I'm going to go over. Obviously, a lot hinges on Grant Gannell, um, mm-hmm. but I do have confidence because he is a player who started at the Power 5 level at one point. I think he is far and away their best arm on the roster. It's just about like learning the scheme and just like it, it hasn't been about talent with him, right? It's just about been fitting in places. Um, and kind of getting his head right and just kind of settling down. I think he's now finally settled down. I hope that they kind of realize that they kind of need him as well. So I'm kind of hoping there's like a, a very quick onboarding as far as learning that system. The Southland's not a or the sorry Conference USA uh, Freudian slip. Uh, Conference USA is not a is not a uh, is not a gauntlet, right? It's a new look conference. Aside from Liberty and Western Kentucky, this isn't a murderer's row. These are teams that. Sam Houston's familiar with. Um, so I'm going to go, I don't know if they go bowling, right? I don't know if they're going to be, obviously they're, I think they still have the ineligibility anyway, but let's put it metaphorically. I don't think they go bowling, but I think they can get their way to five. Um, let's put it that way. I think, and then obviously I think Casey Keeler, you just, I just have to respect in my opinion, one of the more consistent coaches in the state over the past couple of years. So give me five um four is a great number i think they might hit four but i would not be surprised if they go to five maybe even six it's probably true for all g5 conference usa level teams it's about staying healthy like the first 40 on sam houston's roster you know pretty good they they redshirted about 15 upperclassmen last year to keep them eligible for this year yeah Um, last year was kind of a punt season so i wouldn't pay attention to the five and four you look at the two previous seasons to that and they were 22 and one with the national championship casey keeler knows how to coach Mm -hmm. um i don't know if they get to six or seven to flirt with bowl eligibility and for those who don't know they're not technically bowl eligible but not if not enough teams reach six wins sam houston would be above the five win apr teams so usually there are five win apr teams that get in rice got in last year In, in theory sam would get in above them this year in that same scenario. So if they get to six, they're, you know, 75% uh, assured of a bowl game. I think they get uh, above four. This is, this is Vegas, not really understanding what's on the Sam Houston roster for obvious reasons, right? But the market is going to underestimate Sam Houston. As you mentioned, conference USA, not all that much different than the top of FCS. In a lot of ways, it is the top of the old FCS, right? It's kind of a halfway house between FCS and, and FBS football. I think Sam Houston gets to five wins. I do. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I'm going over. I think the middle of Conference USA is very manageable for Sam Houston, and I like Keith Keeler. He's consistent, knows how to win. Yeah, I think they're they're non-conference. I actually like their non-conference a lot. It's it's a very hard non-conference, but I like I like Casey Keeler just saying screw it, right? BYU, Air Force, Houston, right? We're gonna see what this team's made of, and then they go into a you know again a manageable conference schedule. Um, I'm just curious to see what they look like consistently going up against FIU, UTEP. New Mexico State, I think they're better than some of those teams, but can they do a week in, week out in the first year? We'll see. I lean towards yes, but it's never guaranteed going up from the FCS level. All righty. Moving on to what we got next. SMU. Okay, this is a team that we've kind of drastically changed our opinions on over the last uh, few months. They're sitting at a flat eight. I'm telling you what. I'm not saying I'm taking my whole paycheck. (laughs) Uh, I I would consider taking a good chunk of my paycheck and slamming that over. So, um, Craven, I'm going over. This is an easy call for me. I mean, I don't know if it's as easy of a call for you. It feels like it feels this is the interesting thing about being a professional gambler is you start to get into these moments where sometimes the line comes out that's so weird and that you feel so confident about that it makes you sick to your stomach. It's like, what's and wrong? That Right. And that's what this SMU, it, it's eerily similar to when the Baylor number came out last year. And I was so yeah. wrong on Baylor where it was like, mm-hmm. hmm, they're down at seven and a half and I'm up at like nine, maybe even talking to myself sort of, <laughs> I'm kind of an idiot here. There's something going on. Like I'm not building <laughs> extra houses. You know what I mean? Like yes. my house doesn't keep getting higher and higher, but the casinos <laughs> do. So they know 
a little bit more than more than I do. It, it makes me worrisome there. I think nine and three is the floor for SMU in the regular season. I I really do. I mean, they're going to lose twice. The Oklahoma TCU those are those are better football teams. True. Maybe you slip up once in the American against a Memphis or something like that. But no Tulane, no UTSA. It's hard for me to see them losing uh, two games. That defense, I understand the question marks from the outside, uh, but I'm telling you guys, those transfers they brought in are really really good scott simons knows what he's doing the former liberty defensive coordinator that had success there i think smu is going to be a nine maybe even a 10 win team that plays for an aac title yeah yeah completely agree i'll go over too yeah it is one of those where you're just like you just see the number you're like what yeah like do they just know like Actually, Preston Stone's playing with a, you know, he had a, he actually had his leg amputated. His his <laughs> right leg's been like, you know, like um, iron this whole spring. You know, I don't know. It's like something that they know that we do not. So, yeah, I don't know. I, we'll see. I feel like that'll change by like uh, a month out from kickoff or something. We'll probably see a little bit of a higher number, but um, especially when everybody else, all the other books release their numbers. But yeah, it feels like one of those where. I, if it's eight, man, jump jump on that, please. Um, even me as somebody who does not know gambling kind of wants to get on that all right moving on to tcu cover subjects as we mentioned there's seven and a half i think that's a lot more interesting of a number um craven well, i'm actually i'm actually iffy on this one where are you at with this one seven and a half magazine has them eight and four um yeah i think i would take the over uh Maybe I'm I'm doing the same thing I guess that I did with Baylor last year, where you just mm-hmm. like you bet on the culture and you bet on the good vibes inside of that building, and and it cost me money uh, against you know for Baylor last year, uh, but I think the way that Sonny Dykes attacks the transfer portal and he knows that your roster can never stay stagnant, I mm-hmm. think it, it gives him an advantage to have kind of a bounce back or not have not so so much of a fallback. You know they're going to take a step back. You, you're not going to go 12 and 0 again, obviously. Uh, but I don't think they're going to lose five more games than the, than they did last year. I think Chandler Morris is a good quarterback. That wide receiver room is good. Offensive line is kind of a question mark for me. But I think the defense is going to be just as good. So give me eight and four, nine and three for TCU. Yeah, I'm going to probably go around there as well. Yeah. I think eight wins is – I don't say they're ceiling, but like eight wins feels like the right number for them. Um, there, It gives them – I don't know. I still think Texas, Oklahoma, you know, I, I still think people are like really, really, really kind of riding Oklahoma a little bit too much in terms of like offseason hype. We'll see. Um, but that, they had a lot to improve last year, but I would still probably pencil in Oklahoma as a favorite right now. Because um, yeah, of Oklahoma's be stupid schedule. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's actually really anybody good. bored. Go look up at Oklahoma's schedule. It's Maybe like the, the weirdest parting gift of all time. You would think the Big 12 would have made Oklahoma and Texas a schedule impossible. Instead, Oklahoma doesn't have to play the three other favorites in the league. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, go ahead. That's a good point. No, that's a good point. Um, The big ones, obviously, Kansas State, At Tech, Texas, Baylor, and Oklahoma to end the season. That's going to be tough, but um, I wouldn't surprise me if TCU gets half of those, right? Maybe. Um, So. You know what's funny about that? This is how fickle and ridiculous college football fans and media are. Yep. So, TCU is going to start like 6-0, and 7-0, and and then struggle down the stretch because of the schedule you just mentioned, and the whole November sunny conversation is going to happen again a year after he goes uh, to the national championship game because that's just how our memories are as, as fans. That's a great point because, yeah, November, for people that don't know, their November schedule is at Tech, Texas, Baylor, and at Oklahoma. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's <laughs> It's real tough. Oh, he can't win the big one. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, they just fade. They just yeah. fade. You know, it's like they lost two out of their last three last year. You know what right. I mean? Like, it's so dumb. Like, it's such well, a funny sport. And they did so well last year. Every friend's just going to be like, they're going to go like nine and three. And every friend's, oh, that sucks. They're terrible. Right. What a big yeah. step back for yeah. Sonny Dyson. What do we He's say? Like, yeah. yeah. All right. The, the, <laughs> price, the price of success is that the ceiling becomes the floor. Yes. Right. right. Yeah, that's true. Mallory, where are you leaning with TCU? Seven and a half. Uh, what? Sorry. Seven and a half. Where are you leaning with TCU? Uh, we'll go over. Definitely. You're over. Going over as well? Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's get to some spicy ones now. Texas. Nine and a half. The Longhorn hype is starting to churn. Nine and a half. I am buying in on it. Give me <laughs> over on Texas, baby. Um, I'm not going to say the phrase, but I will say that it, it are they bad? I don't know the last time that Texas has had hype going into a season like this, 
And I guess I'm kind of arguing against myself, but I haven't remembered <laughs> the last time Texas has had hype, this much hype going into a season and then lived up to it. So yeah. let's put it that way. That's arguing against myself. But with that being said, I'm buying in. I'm buying in, man. This, again, it's going to come down. This season is literally going to come down to if we think Steve Sarkeesian is an elite head coach or not. That's it, right? They have quarterback play. They have running backs. They have wide receivers, skill talent, defense, trenches, all that stuff. It's now going to be down to can Steve Sarkeesian coach 60 minutes worth of ball for 12 weeks? I, I think I'm going to go under. <laughs> <laughs> going under okay yeah okay. not too much under I think I'm gonna put him yeah. at eight and four I mean nine and a half is a lot right don't get me wrong nine this, and a half this is a lot this is a team that had a losing season a couple of years ago so like this is not right. like <laughs> right and I think they're on the trajectory up but I also yeah. to me I also feel like they're playing with the chip on their shoulder this is the last year they're in the big 12 I think that they know coming into this they have something to prove they have to mm-hmm. because obviously going into the SEC the play is much different. The field is going to look much different. And I think that they're going into this season like, yeah, we have to make a Big 12 title. We need to make this this impression on people that moving to the SEC, it was a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know. It, part of me feels like it might be a little too much. Okay. Betting the over means that you're betting that Steve Sarkeesian is going to win more games than he's ever won in his entire coaching career. And that Texas is going to play consistently solid football for the second time since 2009. Yes, that's fair. Yes. I just, I can put it in the magazine <laughs> and I can say it on the podcast. But the difference but between I'm taking your money sure, and the window. Right. I'm not sure that I can place the bet on Texas winning 10 games and doing what we think that they're going to do. And it's because of the maturity factor, not on the football team, but between the head coach and the quarterback. Sure. Mm-hmm. I don't trust either one of them yet. You know, like they're going to have to prove it to me. Um, Steve Sarkeesian has, has, has kind of been, we saw him at the Alamo Bowl last year, almost getting into a fight with the staffer. Yeah, We've seen sure. the second half collapses. We've seen the quarterback just all of a sudden not be able to find anybody despite having a generational arm. I, I need them to, I, I know that they're going to be a really good football team. And I trust them to go into Alabama, for example, right? And, and put on a hell of a show. Sure. It's like the game against Iowa State that I worry about, right? You know, it's that kind of stuff. Like, will they just let one go that they shouldn't? Where you just look at it and you're like, what in the heck was that? Sure. That is the Texas program. And until no. proven otherwise, my money, I don't have enough of it to just go waste on Texas underachieving. <laughs> I'm gonna lean, I'm gonna lean under if I if I gotta pick one on that one. All right. You're gonna lead on, you're gonna lean under. Okay. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, I've I literally said, I can't remember the last time Texas has done something like this, right? Yeah, no, we took the over in the magazine. I think 10 and two is where they'll land. Sure. Uh, But But it's hard to put put money again. You mentioned it, right? It's hard to put one thing in print and one your money down on the other thing, right? If you were to release your gambling column again tomorrow, right? You'd be saying, don't pay attention to me in the magazine. Right. 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 100%. I don't trust it. I get that. I get that. Um, It's just hard for me to look at the schedule and say outside of Alabama, I don't know what game they can't win. Like, and I'm saying they can't win. They can beat Alabama. I'm just saying I wouldn't bet on that one. Um, But still, yeah, it's, again, I am betting on them to do something that I have not seen in over 10 years. So we'll see. You were in middle school? Uh, No, no, I was, I was in high school. I was in high school. (laughs) I was the one that was uh, in middle school. You weren't even in middle school. You used to have nap time probably. I was actually sleeping. I was about to say, could, you, could you stay up for the national title at that point? <laughs> yeah. How old were you in 2009, Mallory? Um, I was 10. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You probably, you shouldn't have been staying up for the national no, title. West Coast game too. No, you should not. You should have been in bed. Yeah, by yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Another fun one. Texas A&M. Eight and a half. And I love that little eight and a half. It was eight. That'd have been a little too easy. That little eight and a half, though. I love that. I love that so much. Craven, where are you leaning on your favorite head coach in the state? Under. Under. Okay. And they have, you know, Bud Elliott, who I I really enjoy. I think he's one of the the brighter minds in college football. And I truly believe in the blue chip ratio. I love it. Sure. I, I mean, it's 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 proven true for over 10 years now. AM's number four, folks. On the blue chip ratio, the top three are the obvious subjects, Alabama, Ohio State, 
Georgia, Georgia. right after that A&M. The talent is not a problem in College Station. Culture, however, there's a real culture problem in A&M. There just is. There's no way to deny it. And maybe winning and having a good year is the the only medicine, and they go 9-3, and 10-2, and and flirt with an SEC title appearance or something, and this all goes away, and culture doesn't really matter that much when you're winning, right? But when things get hard, culture matters a lot, and they don't seem to have a ton of it. And so – uh, when when the rubber hits the road, when they have some adversity, if they lose to Miami early in the season, for example, or if they lose to Auburn early in the, uh, Arkansas, when that happens, what happens to that locker room? We saw exactly what happened last year. They're going to have to, again, uh, prove it to me before I'm like, yeah, no, they got it figured out because they have all the talent in the world. They started the last two seasons ranked sixth in the nation. They, they've had talent. Uh, yep. Let's see them actually fulfill it. I'll take the under on that one. I think I'm also going to go under. Me too. Um, the vibes are not great. Vibes are not great. Just, yeah, vibes are not great. And like you mentioned, even when like let's say like let's let's take the Miami game last year, right? Vibes weren't great on either side. And then you just like still, even when you thought, okay, if vibes are aren't great on either side, you think talent would just like win out. And it was like, no, I mean they kind of won out, but like it wasn't fun, right? It wasn't like oh, well, I was like, there. It was when, it was not when, fun. Yeah, when Georgia and Alabama have like a bad game, right? It's like still like, okay, cool. They squash them. It's probably not the prettiest game, but whatever. They get out 17, 20 point win. It's fine. AM is like, they win by a field goal and it's bad. And none of the players look like they want to be there. And it's like, okay, never mind. So, yeah, because there's low scoring because the defenses are really good. And then there's low scoring because the offenses stink. And that was that one. Yes, 100%. And then they wake up for Alabama every year and you're like, oh, this team has talent. Look at that. And so we'll see. I'm going to go under. I think seven wins is about where this team lands. Um, And yeah, that's going to be another fun offseason in College Station because we're basically back to where we've been the past couple of years, which is cool. That's not what they're paying him to be. (laughs) You know how much money the A&M boosters have riding on this over and under? Uh, (laughs) Because if the under hits, Jimbo Fisher is probably no longer the head coach at Texas Mm A&M next year. If the the over hits, he is, you know, and like it's it's that's why I find this number interesting. Eight, eight gets funny. Like eight, he may survive. Seven and five or below, he's gone. Nine and three or or above, he's back. Eight and four is where the the weirdness hits, uh, in my opinion. Yep. Mallory? Yeah, going under. Under. Under as well. Unanimous on that might be our, I know we were unanimous on TCU and SMU. Okay, so, but that's our unanimous under, I'll say. Uh, Texas State, here's the interesting one, Craven. Texas State sitting at three and a half. I'm telling you right now, I'm taking over um, because I get why it's three and a half, right? New coach, Texas State has not been good at all. Um, But to say that I think we have them at five wins at the magazine. And I still think at the very least, this team is too good to not win at least four. Um, Three and a half, again, I know why it's that number, new head coach, right? Typically, you take a bad team, you give them a new head coach. Typically, you're supposed to think they have a bad one year. But there's so much we don't know about this team, and there's so much that like that's different about this team that I don't know if anything, if you could say from last year and take it into 2023. Um, I think you just have to wipe the slate clean and just like see what you got. And what we got, I think, is a team that's on the field, at least on paper, I should say, more talented. And I think that's good enough to get them at least four. Yeah, I took the over. Uh, We talked about that earlier. So, yeah, give me the over. Yep. Yep. Me too. Over as well. All right. We're all over on the cats which means they're going three and eight or whatever all right three and nine um let's go to texas tech a team that we have been optimistic on seven flat seven for texas tech joy mcguire's second year in lubbock where are you at with the red raiders i am at an over i believe i think it's eight and four in the magazine i I don't think they're going to go nine and three ten and two i mean i think this i think seven's a, a good number and you know, Tyler Shuck is is always one play away from being injured. We we've seen that over the last two years. They lose Tyree Wilson. That offensive line is still a question mark. I think it's going to be better, but you know, until we see it, it's it's still a question mark. But I mm-hmm. I I would lean over. I, I know 
that we're around McGuire and have been for so long that, that maybe we drink out of the cup of Joey McGuire a little bit too much and, and, that, and that kind of stuff. But it does like we were just talking about AM and how, you know, the vibes don't feel all that great. Well, they mm-hmm. do at Texas Tech, you know, not mm-hmm. only just in the football team, but, you know, they're building new things here and raising money over there. Like things, things are going well. They have a few night games at Jones this year that are going to be pretty fun and pretty interesting. So, uh, yeah, give me give me the over, although I, I can definitely see seven and five. Uh, being the being the record yeah that Oregon game which is the night game that you're talking about that's going to be super telling I think really I'm gonna be there I'm excited I'm so excited oh it's gonna be so much fun Mallory you going over yeah I think I'm going over if they can stay healthy like you said about Tyler Shuck I think that if yeah if they can if they can stay healthy especially on the offensive line they should I think they could hit the over yep all righty let's get to our last two let's get to UTEP five and a half in the conference USA that I just got finished slandering a while ago. <laughs> what are we thinking about the miners going in? It's a pivotal year for Dana. Me the over. Yeah. You so go over. This is what's over. funny. Everybody thinks that I'm a UTSA Homer or a Texas Homer or a Joey McGuire Homer. The real Homer in me <laughs> is El Paso, Texas. Oh, there you go. Give me the over. <laughs> Give me the fight in Dana Dimmels. I think Gavin, Gavin Hardison has a has a bat, bounce back here. Tyron Smith, I think it's going to be back. At least the magazine says so. We're pretty sure that that's true. <laughs> uh, and so uh, I, I think the offense is going to be uh, explosive again. They got to replace Jadrian Taylor, but I think Praise is going to have, have have a bigger season. Uh, Conference USA is easier now than it was this time last year. Give me six and six for UTEP. Now here's a question. Say, I think. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to question for Craven. Would you consider Gavin Hardison one of the better slash best quarterbacks coming into Conference USA? For sure. And he's definitely one of the more experienced ones. I mean, he's got 30 30 starts under his belt and all that kind of stuff. And I think the interesting thing for the UTEP offense is, you know, Dimmel's been the offensive coordinator and the play caller the whole time he's been there. You know, but he admitted when you're taking a team that's been winless – you got to do a lot of other stuff. You're not just the offensive coordinator. There's a lot of stuff to fix when you walk into a program that just went 0-12. This year, he's kind of moved into the quarterback room. He's around Hardison more as the play caller. I think that links up a little bit, and that offense will will get back to not exactly what it was when Jacob Cowing was there because Jacob Cowing's not walking through that door. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the offense is going to be better, and they usually play pretty good defense in UTEP. You add the schedule in there. I think they get to six. Yeah. I was trying to think of their I – I do not know – the other light. Actually, oh wow, Caden Salter is actually going to be the quarterback at Liberty. I didn't know. Oh my that. gosh, I haven't heard. Um, so yeah, I was trying to, I was literally trying to figure out the other quarterbacks in the conference because I'm like, you. Is you, at Liberty? He's at Liberty. Yes. That's right. Um, I think Austin Reed is back at Western Kentucky, so he's probably number one. Um, and I think I'm trying to think. There's somebody at that I'm forgetting at La Tech that's actually pretty okay. Um, uh, Hank Bachmeyer from Boise State. He's actually pretty okay. So. Outside of outside of probably Austin Reed, yeah, I'd probably put I'd put Gavin, as far as playing experience and all that stuff, I'd put him up there as, as one of the better in the conference. So um, yeah, I I'm gonna go over as well um, because also this is gonna be a, this is a big year for them because they have to see like this new conference USA, they should be able to be in the running to win this conference in the future, not now, but like for the future, UTEP should be in the t- in the conversation to be a conference contender in ways that they haven't been in a long time. So. Um, yeah, I think it should be, if it's not over, we got problems in Utah, in, in El Paso. Absolutely correct. Moving to our last team, UTSA sitting at a flat eight. Craven, you first. I mean, you're not getting me to bet against Jeff Trailer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> not Getting me. over. Not me. Uh, you know, the only teams that have won more than UTSA over the last couple of years are Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia, uh, and then the Roadrunners. Um, so, you know, the, the American Conference in a lot of ways is just Conference USA 2.0. They already beat that level twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, they're all, their non-conference schedule is always tough. Um, you, Houston, we just mentioned. Tennessee, they play Army. Texas State's going to be an interesting game because of the ties there between the two coaching staffs. Um, and so it'll be a tough road, uh, but they don't play SMU. Um, I think I think eight and four is probably a pretty good record prediction. So that that's a tough one. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not going seven and five. Frank Harris is still there. I, I haven't seen Frank Harris lose five games. Yeah. Right. Like, that's fair. At that's all. Fair. 
And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I, yeah, give me, give me UTSA. I, I would take the push, but give me UTSA and over if we're not, we're not doing that. Yeah. Yep. I would lean push as well. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go over, I think even the teams that like historically you would put like as like an iffy game, I don't know. Like, I don't know what FAU is going to be like under Tom Herman first year. Right. Historically you'd say, oh yeah, FAU is typically one of the better. I don't know this year. Right. Um, Eastern East Carolina is a solid team, but like, I don't know what they're going to look like this year. I'm kind of iffy on them. UAB. I think UAB is going to be garbage in their first year under Trent Dilbert. Right. I really do. Um, and so you're down to like the other contenders, which, okay, sure. That's Tulane. Right. Um, and then obviously by the time they get to North Texas, we'll have a better idea of what North Texas is. But right now I'm picking UTSA easily. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to go over as well. I'll go over. I wouldn't be surprised to see this team go undefeated in conference play. I really, yeah. I really wouldn't. I I need this team versus the SMU in the championship. I, I need that game to happen because they decided not to give it to us in the regular season. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, and they were supposed to play in a bowl game in a COVID year, and it got canceled because of right. so COVID and stuff. So, oh. yeah, we need uh, one just for the uniform matchup. Oh, yes. Um, but also those fan bases are quite a bit different. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was about to say, I want to see – I needed to be in Dallas so I can see the uh, USMU's fans' reaction when UTSA travels up and like takes up the entire parking lot for tailgate. <laughs> yeah, and and they will. They, yeah, they absolutely will. We may not win on the field, but we are winning in the parking lot, folks. We are absolutely say, winning in the parking like, lot. So I hope you like tequila because it's coming. <laughs> I was about to say five and a half hours. Like they drove yeah. to New Mexico their yeah. first year of the bowl. They'll, they'll, <laughs> dude, when UTSA football started, they had to yeah. like conv- like you're going to have to open up the tailgate sooner than what you think that you're you know like that is not that is not how this is going to work and that was like a very big battle early on utsa fans won that one but yeah they they uh they can get after it they can they can have a good time mallory's gone it's i was gonna uh, say i can confirm the tailgating scene there is elite (laughs) all right well we need it to happen so we're gonna need both these programs to take care of business so we can get it to happen so all right, that'll do it for us. I literally wrote all these down, so I would love to see. Obviously, this is June, but that kind of makes it more fun. I want to revisit this back at the season's end, and we will actually go through and see what exactly we had. Um, so, yeah. You know, that's Bryce is going to go undefeated, and then somebody's going to clip us talking about this, and then it's going to be on the cover, the cover of Bill <laughs> I was about to exactly. say, Jimbo's, Jimbo's going to be like, this is why I don't go on their show after yeah. he hoists national title or something. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Right, he's going to be playing for a national title. Like, we're all just, you know. <laughs> here <laughs> what yeah. do we know <laughs> maybe maybe he'll talk to us i was about to say yeah he wins a national title they win, he'll probably they talk win to national title he ain't, he ain't talking to us ever no so. he'll have a revolving door just to you know like hey what'd you pick us at <laughs> <laughs> like cool out yeah, Bye. out. <laughs> yeah and he um, should uh, i mean that's how i'd be if I, I mean i give him a hard time but i wouldn't talk to anybody either if i was getting paid that much money and didn't have to that's true. All right. That is very true. With that being said, we have talked to 12 of the 13 FBS head coaches in the state. Jimbo Fisher, please. But again, after this episode, probably not happening. Uh, as usual, go Rutgers. Go shop Homefield if you love Rutgers as well. Ha- uh, code DCTF, 15% off. And we'll talk to you guys in two weeks. We're all out next week. So go subscribe, textfootball.com as well. And we will talk to you guys later.